Hi. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to Janine Stevens, Olympic silver medalist, on her rowing career, why she got into coaching, and the prestigious award she just got for her dedication to the sport. Also, we'll talk to Jordy Wilson of the Winnipeg Rifles Football Club on their upcoming information night. And then Jeff, Ron, and I hop in the replay booth and watch and review Mystery Alaska. What will our reviews be? It's a mystery on the podcast. At the 2020 Rowing Canada annual conference taking place last month, Winnipeg's Janine Stevens, who's a two-time Olympian and silver medalist in the Olympics, was awarded the President's Award for 2019 for her commitment to the sport of rowing and dedication to her athletes in Manitoba. Here to explain the honor and how she feels about it is Janine herself. So, Janine, congrats on this honor. What does this award mean to you? Yeah, so that was a huge surprise to get. Rowing Canada gives out sort of one surprise award every year that the president selects. Um, It's often sort of a longtime member or volunteer or coach. And so for me to get it so sort of new into my coaching career was an absolute shock and just a real honor to follow in some of the footsteps of other people who have received it. So when you found out that you were getting this award, was it on the weekend? Did it kind of come out of nowhere? Um, I found out before the weekend, but it was a big surprise to everybody else. Sort of even the Rowing Canada staff didn't know. Um, so they kept it pretty hush-hush, but she did let me know sort of towards the end of December. Okay. What does that mean to you in terms of the, the time that you've put into rowing over the years that you've been involved in it? Yeah, so it's been, I started rowing 20 years ago this year, which seems crazy, uh, but the sport has obviously given me a ton throughout my career, being able to go to university and row and then do two Olympics and represent Canada and Winnipeg was always so amazing. Now being able to give back in a coaching role, I think it's just some really good encouragement that that we're seeing some change here in Manitoba, that we're growing the programs, that our athletes are really doing well on the national stage. And we've been able to put um, a few people. Abby Dent got sixth at the Junior World Championships last year, and she's under the Manitoba umbrella. And then um, there's two others who are sort of on Rowing Canada's radar right now. I think that's really great for for Winnipeg and moving forward. Was it a natural transition for you to move from rowing to coaching? Oh, man, I don't know how many people asked me when I stopped competing if I was going to coach, and my answer was always like, I don't know how to coach. I can't coach. I've never watched rowing. I've only done rowing. I'll never coach. Um, And here I am. So, no, I didn't. It was was a a challenging transition going from being in the boat to watching and trying to pick up on things. So I feel like my 2017 – was a Canada Games year, so it all happened really fast and being able to watch the sport and watch the boat through the water. And then even by the next year, I was just way more comfortable in seeing it all happen in front of me. And that was just the transition from being in the action to outside. At first, did you just want to go out in the water and just jump in the boat? Yes. (laughs) And I still do every once in a while when I get the opportunity to get out and row with the athletes. Um, It's sort of... it makes me think about what I would do differently, even on the rowing machine. It makes me think about, you know, what do I think about at this part? How could I, what wording could I use to make it better for the athletes and stuff like that? So I feel like I'm just constantly learning 
um, in terms of vocabulary and the parts of the stroke and everything that I'm trying to explain is just a constant learning game. And then sometimes it's just, you know, what you say to one athlete, they pick it up right away and someone else, you have to find a different way of saying it, whether it's you're talking about, you know, a different body part or what the blade is doing versus what the body is doing. Um, all that kind of stuff sort of, it, it brings it full circle because you're, you're just, you're watching and listening and thinking and it's just, it's always in your head. Are your athletes okay with sometimes then being the teacher to teach you new things as a coach? Do I tell them that they teach me new things? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. They're uh, they're making me learn and they're making me work, which I love uh, because it makes me better and it makes them better. So it's it's a good it's a good environment. Do you ever race them competitively? Um. Yes, I do. I've raced them. I don't know. I think I raced them in 2019. I raced some of them in 2018. And then I still jump on the rowing machine every once in a while. I can still beat most of them. How's Not that? because I'm fit, just because my stroke is still a little bit more efficient. Just the years of training. Exactly. Okay. You say you keep building, you're learning every year. So is this something that you want to continue doing for a long time, coaching this sport? I really do love it. I mean, I guess we'll, if, if, right now, if you ask me, yeah, I keep coaching it. It's great fun. Uh, bringing in new athletes always adds like a new challenge because then you're going back to basics again when you're teaching someone new and then you build them up. And we have our Winnipeg Rowing Club coach does a lot of the the new and novice rowing. And then when they're ready, they transition and move to our high performance group with me. So uh, just the the group itself is good because they work really well together and they all want to improve and they all row with each other. And so I feel like if things continue the way they are, which I will keep working on that, uh, the environment's just really great to be a part of and I'll probably coach for a long time. For those who may not know, obviously a rowing machine is one thing, but how does a rower in Winnipeg keep fit and get better in the cold of the winter? Good question. Yeah, we use the rowing machines uh, four to five days a week is sort of what we use. And then, you know, go for some people like to ski. So we send them out for skis in the afternoon. Um, with my high performance group, we do all of our hard work in the mornings. So we're still there early mornings, but we sleep until six, not 530, like in the when in the water season. Mm. Um, so, yeah, most of our time, like most of our major training and, and fitness training is from the rowing machines. Okay. Now the 2020 indoor rowing championships are coming up, uh, I guess this weekend, aren't they? Sunday. Yeah. So we do it once a year. Um, and we do it the same day that Ontario has their big one in Mississauga. So they have, you know, I don't know if, I think there's more than 1000, but I don't know if thousands, they have so many racing. So we always do it the same day as them. Um, and so we, we attach all the machines so and they're projected onto the wall in front of you. So everybody has, every machine has a little boat that represents them. And so you sort of go down the race course. Hmm. So it's a little bit more spectator friendly than just sitting on the rowing machine and pulling out some numbers for 2000 meters. So we'll do that on Sunday. So people will come and race, do 2000 meters, 1000 meters or 500 meters just to test their speed for fun. 
Okay. And is this something that literally anybody can do, or is this just for the rowing community? Yeah, no, anybody can do it. There's lots of gyms these days and stuff that are using rowing and the rowing machine as part of their training. Like I know um, the CrossFit has it or Theory has it. So it is a really good training tool. Other people are finding that and, and using it as part of their as part of their training as well. So, yeah, we welcome all of them to come. You can sign up online before the event or you can, I think in the past we've had registrations the morning of as well. And uh, I, I always say that I'm not going to race it. And then I get there and just get sucked into the energy of people racing and end up just paying my $15 and, and racing because I just love to still be involved in the excitement of it all. Does the winner get a prize? We have in the past. I'm assuming there will be something fun as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've never won the prize, okay. so I don't know. <laughs> well, I got an Olympic medal, though, so that's okay. There you go. I'll take that. <laughs> Finally, just on on the rowing machines, for those who haven't tried a rowing machine, what kind of workout do you get out of using a rowing machine? Um, for sure, like the benefits are that it's it's a whole body workout. So it gets your core, your legs, a bit in the arms, shoulders, and um, and so you get sort of your most bang for your buck in terms of wanting to train and you know, running on a treadmill where you're just using your legs. I mean, you're also using your arms, but in terms of the, um, like, usage and strength that comes out of it, it is a full-body workout. I love introducing it to people because it is such a good workout, and I've heard many people say at the gym, oh, I don't do that. It's not, it doesn't make me work hard. I'm like, oh, my spirit just got crushed a little bit. So I always think those people need a lesson, and they, people can come this weekend, and I'll do exactly that. Well, Janine, I appreciate your time. Good luck this weekend and continued success Thanks in what so you much. do. Thank you so much. Right now, I want to welcome into the studio Jordy Wilson, head coach of the Winnipeg Rifles. Jordy, how are you doing tonight? I am great. How are you? Good. Is is there an off-season for the Rifles for you? Well, yes and no. I mean, obviously, we're not playing games, but uh, the training aspect, recruiting, all that stuff seems to never end. But, uh, yeah, not much of an off-season, but we're back at it. Okay, so what's the, the big developments this week for you? Well... It's pretty exciting stuff we've had over the last uh, few weeks is with the Bombers. Um, I guess we met with Wade uh, with Wade Miller three weeks ago with our president, Dale, and myself. And uh, the Bombers have really, they want to bring, they want to make the rifles an integral part of what they're doing moving forward. So, and Wade's, uh, what he told us was that about every three years, he'd like to see us produce a roster player for the Bombers. Mm. So this is big news. Now, how are we going to accomplish that? Well, again, hopefully through the player development. But the other big piece is our players are now training at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers weight room in the, in the facility. So that's where we're there three days a week. So Al Couture, who's their head athletic therapist, strength coach, and Braden Miller, who's his assistant, they're uh, training our guys. So they're right there in the Bombers facility. They're working hard with those guys. And uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. How much of a boost does this give your program? Oh, I think it's huge. It's astronomical when you're tied in with them and you, you see what's going on, and uh, you know, and the, and the fact that like Kyle Walters uh, two years ago at our signing day said, from a selfish, this is his quote, from a selfish perspective, we'd like to see all the best players in Manitoba play for the Winnipeg Rifles. Because why that is is that every player on our roster who hasn't played U Sport football or NCAA is territorial protection Winnipeg Blue Bombers, so they don't have to go through the draft. So this is and where, that's not new. That's not new. But the thing is, for the first time, like the Bombers have really made this. An initiative that they want to get involved with because it was interesting 
as we were this winter, I went through the rosters of CFL teams. So there's last year, the 2019, the, you know, they played at some point, and this was the final rosters. There was 38 players in the CFL that had played in the CGFL, which is, if you think about it, there's 189 Canadians that play in the CFL. There's 21 per team. That's almost two teams worth of Canadians, or 20% of the players, uh, have come through our league. Now, out of that, 11 have come directly from the CGFL into the CFL. The others have gone, say, they played junior for a while, then they went and played U Sport or their NCAA, and then they went through the draft. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of kids playing. So, I mean, that's something I think the Bombers would, you know, because, again, if they can save a draft pick, they can use on someone else, and they can have some guy locally. And the good part about it is this, is that, see, typically after their third year, there are some of our better guys. We talk to Kyle about it, and Kyle checks them out, and then we put these kids into camp. Every year for the last three years, we've had three to four kids in camp. And the good part is now you go into a third-year guy, and all of a sudden you do a great job. Bombers like you. You come back, you play with us. Maybe the next year in your fourth year, you might stick around, practice with them all year, play with us. And then the fifth year, you know, you, you get to be on maybe the practice roster, become a you know a guy that's dressed and playing specials and all that kind of stuff. So it's good. At the moment, how many Winnipeg Rifles grads are in the CFL? Three. So the three guys right now, so Keenan LaFrance played for the Rifles prior to playing for uh, the Bisons. Zach Williams. Uh, Zach plays with Calgary. He's a draft pick this year. He played for the Rifles before. And Mike Benson, who was a long snapper, actually came from the Rifles directly. He went to BC. Now he's playing for Ottawa. So there's three uh, Rifles that are presently in the CFL. And how do you get that number up? Well, I think this this part right now, the big thing we want to try to get, I guess, to the parents is the kids that are the elite guys in town and in Manitoba, northwestern Ontario, we want to get some of those kids because the reality is this, is that you should never go to university to play football. You should go to university because you want to be a teacher, you want to be an engineer, you want to be an architect, physiotherapist, et cetera. And what happens sometimes is kids go there, you know, and maybe they get an arts degree. Maybe some of them don't even graduate, but they do enough to stay eligible. And after football is finished, they didn't make the CFL. Now they got to find a job. And again, quite often what they end up doing is they go to Red River, Maybe because they wanted to go in the engineering technology program, maybe they want to be a mechanic, maybe they want to be a chef, whatever. So one of the things we want to try to get to the parents is this, is that you can play extremely high-level football, have a chance to still reach your CFL dreams, but chase a career, a profession that you really want to do at the same time. So these are some things we want kids, maybe they want to go in the trades, want to go to Red River, and maybe some kids want to go to U of W, they don't want to go to U of M. So we want to try to get some of those elite kids that are in Manitoba, get them in with our program, Get them involved, you know, if they're good enough and they produce, get them into the Bombers training camp and progress from there. So in your program, mm-hmm. people aren't students? They are. We have, okay. I would say this, in saying that, probably our breakdown would be about, uh, probably about a third of our kids are university kids right now. At they're, either the U of M or Yeah, they're U of M, U of W. And then I have another probably about a third that would be either apprenticing or at Red River. Okay. And then uh, I would have another third that maybe you're just working, right? So right. they're doing whatever. Okay. Yeah. 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 So there's a there's a pretty big, you know, swath of what those kids are doing. And the age range is still kind of the same as university, Exactly. Right? It's eight, so it's post-secondary. Yeah, it's like 17 to 22, right? So kids are either 17 or 18 when they graduate from high school, and they're playing that same age group. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff what's going on with the Bombers, and we— we believe, I mean, our kids have done a good job. They've asserted themselves where they're, they've been there in the camp so far, and we uh, we do believe that, uh, you know, some of these young fellows are going to make the team. And the other thing is, if you're a 17-year-old kid and your ultimate goal is to play youth sport football, like let's say you want to play for Brian at, at U of M, when you're a 17 year like the, the leap from high school to junior is big. The leap from high school to university is even bigger. And quite often, like just in looking at the numbers, like Brian on his roster last year had 16 CGFL guys on his team. So these kids have played 
junior for three or four years, and they went there. Like his starting tailbacks last year, Mike Rashad, Winnipeg right for five years. Um, Vic St. Pierre, he played for the Regina Thunder for four years. And uh, Logan Fisher was with Saskatoon for five years. Those were his starting three running backs. He has, he has two big offseason recruits this year, two offensive linemen from the Edmonton Huskies. So, and then you, you look at it, in Canada West alone, Every team, the average number of CGFL players on Canada West rosters was 13 and a half last year. So a lot of these kids, because, you know, you play three or four years against men, now you can come in and really, truly come back and compete as a starter. When you're a 17-year-old kid, quite often they go through the progression, they get to their third year, they're kind of physically ready to go, and then all of a sudden some junior kid's been parachuted in and he takes a job with that kid. So that's kind of what you want to try to help the kids out as well. Talking with Jordy Wilson, head coach of the Winnipeg Rifles, the eligibility part of this mm-hmm. if you played junior for two or three or four years does that count at all towards your, your university el- eligibility your clock does not start ticking till you turn 20 okay yeah yeah so there's they can essentially and if a kid played all five years if they did play five years of junior they would have two maybe three depending on their birth date if they're born okay. after september they get three years okay so yeah you could that's the whole thing so there's there's opportunity out there it gives you you know opportunity to develop and play football longer past high school okay so if Anyone listening has kids or if, you know, a 17-year-old for some reason listening mm-hmm. to CJOB out there is thinking about playing football and isn't sure yep. where to go, what info do you have available or any kind yep. of info nights coming up? We do. So this Thursday, February the 6th at the St. Vitale Mustangs facility, that's where our practice facility is. And the field's all good now? Yeah. <laughs> not, it's under snow right now. Well, but yeah. No, yeah, it's not all good. But okay. anyways, yeah, it's a little bit of a mess still. Okay. But it's, uh, so it's at the corner of St. Mary's and then the South Perimeter. It's The actual address is 100 Frobisher. We're in the social hall there. So I would say this, if any of the parents are out there listening, if you have a kid that's in grade 10, to 12, bring them the information so they can start seeing what this program's about, what opportunities are, you know, can arise for them after high school. So, and that's kids that play in the rural Manitoba football league, uh, kids that play in the Winnipeg high school football league, any parents out there, again, it'd be a great opportunity to bring your kids out to see what we have to offer. Our coaches will be there, our board of directors, and there might even be a surprise from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers there. Okay. And what, uh, what, that's Thursday night at what time again? Thursday at 7 p.m. So it's February 6th, Thursday at uh, 7 p.m. at the St. Vitale Mustangs facility, 100 Frobisher. One thing we haven't talked about yet and mm-hmm. before I let you go is cost. Yeah. Because if you get to go to university <clears throat> and you get some money right. scholarship-wise to go, that's very helpful and a big reason yep. why some people go to, to school is mm-hmm. sports helps pay their way. Yep. How much does it cost to play for the rifles? When you play for the Winnipeg Rifles, our costs this year are hard costs, six hundred dollars is what okay. they pay. And that again, that and again, we travel when we go to Alberta or we are, you know, if you get out of our conference, we go to BC, Ontario, whatever you're flying in Saskatchewan, we take the bus there. That pays for all your travel, all your food, pays for our therapists, all the stuff that goes out. And there's no money outside of that. But the interesting part too, when you talk about Canadian scholarships, in Canada, the most you can receive in Canada West in Quebec or in the Maritimes is 100% of tuition, nothing beyond that. Okay. And in Ontario, it's 80% of tuition. So the reality is this, if you're in Manitoba, and this is one of the things why we want to try to keep the best kids in Manitoba, if you come and play football for us, every school, in like because we go into Saskatoon, Regina, Calgary, Edmonton, et cetera, all those universities come watch all of our games because they're scouting kids, et cetera. Now, let's say U of A all of a sudden says, you know, I really like that kid, and Calgary likes that kid. Now, they say, yeah, we'll give you full tuition. So now what Brian has to do in order to keep you here in town, he'll offer you full tuition. But if you stay at your parents' house and you go to Manitoba, you get full tuition. It's a lot less to live, right? Then, to send a kid out of town 
you know, I mean, realistically, I mean, you're looking at, if they're gone for four or five years, it's about eighty to $100,000 to send a kid to school out of town. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, too. You can build your brand or your demand. And I tell you, if you're legitimately, if you're a real student in the sense that you're pursuing a professional faculty at University of Manitoba, you're playing football for us, after three years, if you're good enough to play and that's what you want to do, I'll drive you over there. But I mean, but that's the point here is we want to make sure we have kids that are really, that are legit students that are good enough to play at that point. All right, Jordy, appreciate you coming in. Good luck this week. Well, I appreciate it as well. Thanks very much. Have a great day. For some reason, I thought I had seen this movie before. And after watching it now, I realize that's not possible because it would have been a long time ago. This movie would have been in no way appropriate for a child. No. I think I may have seen parts of the end. Uh, on TV or something. Yeah, which which the ending, the, the culminative hockey game they play against the New York Rangers is clean for families to watch. But... Most of the lead-up, not so much. <laughs> no, not at all. It's, I remember wanting to see this when it came out, and then, I don't know, some snooty critic would have, must have said, yeah, it's no good, so I didn't bother seeing it. And now I wish I had seen it. The first words I, of this movie... I will continue to watch this every time it's on TV yeah. for the rest of my life. 1999 is when it came out. stars Russell Crowe, a mulleted Russell Crowe. That's not a real mullet, though. You it's just think? long hair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the first words of the movie were some four-year-old saying, bleep me. <laughs> that kid had a couple of, he had like three good F-bomb or swear lines. He had three lines. lines of the whole movie. They were all curses. Yeah. And the third one at the end about his uh, pony, his toy pony. That was my favorite. When he said it on camera. I laughed out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you haven't seen it, this is the obligatory. All, whenever we do this, spoiler alert, duh. The movie is set in Mystery Alaska. It's totally fake. It's not based on really anything. It's There's no it's, town called Mystery Alaska? It's fiction. Yeah, it's fiction. So it's set in this small Alaska town where all they have basically is adultery because uh, everyone's sleeping with everybody as well as hockey. But it's not, well, not a hockey sli- league. Every, everyone's sleeping with Skank. Yeah, he's got a nickname. Ron Eldard, who's one of my favorite actors. He's got a nickname. His name is Skank Martin because all he does is sleep it's around so and play gross. hockey. I was confused at first as to why hockey was such a big deal, and I still kind of was after they explained it all. It's a Saturday game they play. Of just shinny. It's just shinny. Sticks in the middle. It's ten guys, and the whole town comes out to watch it, and it's the thing in this the town. The Saturday game. Like, yeah. What do you mean? And Anyone like, could just go play on this pond. It's just hockey. And a council of town elders has to pick who's in the like, big game. Vote you into the, the game. And, it's yeah, it's just ten guys, and it's like, well, why don't you get 20 guys and then... You know, the game might be more exciting. They won't get as tired as fast. They can switch on and off. It's dumb. It's super dumb. And I thought for the longest time, and by that I mean like the first 20 minutes, I was like, is that what this movie is? Is this the end of this movie going to be like some game of shinny that we're supposed to care about? I totally, I'd know, if I knew, I think I must have known what this movie was about at one time. I'd totally forgotten. And then when they got to the thing, like, oh, the New York Rangers want to come here and play against you. He was like, oh, yeah, that's right. So It's Hank- the game where the, where the, like, the quote-unquote farm boys play the Rangers. Yeah, so Hank Azaria's character is a guy who used to live in this town. He decided to leave. Everyone hated him for leaving. I didn't get that at all. I was like, why is he the villain of this? He's... Just because you leave your hometown doesn't... Wanted to make something out of his life, so he goes, your becomes a writer, writes this article on Sports Illustrated, profiling this city, 
And then the NHL is like, yo, we <laughs> want to bring an exhibition game to you this in the middle of the NHL season. He gets them into Sports Illustrated. He gets the NHL to say, we want to come put to come to your town, Mystery Alaska. And they still all hate Hank Azaria, even though he's facilitated all these wonderful things for them. And they have to have a town meeting to see if they want it. Of course you want it. <laughs> There's going to be a bunch of eyeballs. There's going to be a ton of money coming into your town. And they have to vote on it. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. it's a little bit dumb. And then... There's this, you know, price something like basically the Walmart, the, Wal- the proxy for Walmart wants to come in and Michael McKeon's character gets shot and just lets us sh- hilarious string of expletives out yeah. describing the town that ends up costing him in court. Okay. No, I'm not okay. Do I look like I'm okay? The f- shot me. What the f- of a bum f- old town is this? I-, I make a business call. I give him my card and the hick f- shoots my foot off. The Rangers are like, oh, we don't want to go. And no, duh. It's the middle of the NHL season. They're just going to go to Alaska where there's sunlight for three hours a day. Yeah, it's weird. Which they didn't really build into the plot. And since it's Alaska, well, they put set up the lights. Yeah. And as soon as the lights came on, it's like, why wouldn't they just play the game during the day? And I was like, oh, I guess there really isn't much not, of a day. There's not a lot of daylight, but yeah. because it seemed like a, such a big, unnecessary expense that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Um, why not do it? It's in Alaska. Why not have the game in summer? Or in fall before the hockey season actually starts, a preseason game in, in at the end of September. As opposed, surely there'd be yeah. enough snow up in Alaska. First of all, don't call me Shirley. And second of all, <laughs> we've got this premise of it was in an article a month from now. The Rangers are going to come here, build an entire rink, and we're going to have a game on national television. I would have. It would have been better if they just played on the pond. Like without the boards and stuff. Of course it would have been. Because the hockey style is just so different when you don't have boards, right? Yeah. Russell Crowe's character, he's the sheriff. He's the old guy on the team. He gets cut for this young kid. And then immediately they're like, oh, actually we need more players because this thing's happening. You're going to be the coach now. And he's like, I can't coach. So (laughs) Burt Reynolds, who is this, you know, John Lithgow and Footloose kind of character, He's, yeah, he's also the, like the judge in the town. His nickname is Judge. He is the town's judge, right. which I meant he would ha- hold immense power in a small town. Yeah, yeah, he could totally, you know, rig things for his friends. But <laughs> and he's also a hockey expert. He also used to play Division Two hockey or one one double A or whatever it is. They want him to coach. Eventually, he does once his lawyer friend dies, and it works out in the end. He motivates the team. They go out. They play the Rangers. They go up 2-0 after one. They fall behind 5-2 after two. Put up a valiant effort to lose 5-4 after the final shot goes off the crossbar. They lose 5-4. There's a bunch of quiet. And then the coach starts clapping. Oh, and that everyone... slow clap thing. I was like, come on. That was dumb. That was super The dumb. whole crowd would cheer so much for their team almost beating the Rangers. There would yeah. be immediate noise. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So there was a lot I took issue with in this movie. Obviously, the premise is so unrealistic. Little Richard singing the national anthems and making them super long to make the Rangers players Cold, cold. Even though them just sitting on the bench would do the same thing yeah. throughout the game. Uh, Cole Meany plays the town mayor, and as soon as he popped up, I was like, oh, he's going to be a jerk, because he's always a jerk in these movies. And, and he was. Just, it was so weird. He's yeah, kind of a jerk. Uh, what about, obviously, a lot of the background guys or the smaller characters or yeah, that are on the team are hired for their skating ability. Like, Adam Beach is in this movie, and it's like... Well, he grew up in Manitoba and knows how to skate, right? So, right. and I imagine a lot of the other guys like that. Russell Crowe, little shaky. A lot of close-ups because they can't show him wide taking a slap shot. And when they would show him just skating slowly, some of it was, it was I just noticed. because from lo- New Zealand. I was looking for it. I was like, let's see how 
much. Now, clearly, he did learn how to skate and had to and practice at it, and he was you know it's passable. But there's a limit. But there's some shakiness to it. There's it's a just, limit of what you can learn in a certain amount of time. It's better than I can do right now. So well, okay. So good on you, Russell um, Crowe. Mike Myers is an obvious nod to Don Cherry. Yeah, he he's a funny legend cameo. from Flin Flon, Manitoba. That made me laugh. He had a, a bunch of stuff he did made me laugh. I, I like that. Terry David Mulligan's in it for much music. He plays the doctor. The doctor. Okay. So there's there, a bunch of little cameos like that. Right. And this movie was shot at Banff National Park. Oh, uh, they what built it? a town near Canmore just to, to film this thing. I got to say the hockey, we always look at the action in the sports movies. The hockey was pretty good. I'd say. Yeah, the big game at the end, it was certainly as easy to follow and stuff like that. All the Rangers were not, like, those weren't real Rangers. All of them were fake. No. That's a, I got a nitpick on that. All of them were fake. They So they had the NHL's blessing to use their logo and their name, but they didn't have anything from the players. So it's 1999 when the movie comes out. October 1st, 99, yeah. So we're going to say... That's the season after Gretzky retired. Except that he's one player of the month on that... TV report right, in so, the movie. So it may so, have been the 98 99 season. Then why wasn't he with the Rangers? Oh, I see. What ah, you mean. in the world of this movie, that's a problem. They shouldn't have mentioned he his also, name, period. Yeah, no, they shouldn't have. And did you, listen, that, to, did you listen to his stats? Yes. I got it written down. It's impossible. Well, because as you look for those stats, the the fight they showed between Ty Domi and Langdon, that's a fight that actually happened. Well, yeah, but that was actual footage. Yeah. So, yeah, so they say uh, Wayne Gretzky has been named player of the month thanks to his. Uh, 17 goals and 22 assists, which is 39 points. You can't do that in one month. Sure you can. If you're Are Wayne you Gretzky. serious? At the end of his career? No. No. At the end of his career, no. But <laughs> no. in like 1982, Edmonton, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So yeah, there's that. Uh, there was just so much sex, though. A lot of sex. It was like a comedy, sports comedy kind of thing. So Yeah, every- all these hockey movies want to be slap shot, and so they're just... Add all the sex and F-bombs and stuff, whereas the, realistically, if they would have toned this down to a PG thing, I bet you it would have been a, quite a successful movie. Because it's I, I like small towns with a bunch of quirky characters. Who doesn't love that? I love those kind of movies. There's not a ton of hockey movies, so this does make like the top five of hockey movies, oh, but yeah. there's only you know 12 but or so. But you can't let your kids see it. Right, and that's a problem. And also, this movie did not do well. At the box office. Well, no, because it it's an poorly. R-rated hockey movie. It's an, it made $9 million bucks on a $28 million budget. Ouch. Not good. And uh, was not really reviewed favorably at the time. It's got decent numbers on Rotten Tomatoes now. I would imagine a lot of people went into it thinking there would be a mystery involved. There was no <laughs> The mystery was, can they beat the New York Rangers? Look at how fast they can skate. I will, you know, it was people that live in a you know, cold place, not like Alaska cold. It's skating outside for people that aren't used to it is not easy. I thought it was weird that they got milkshakes. I was like, that's why would you get a cold eh, drink in Alaska? Whatever. I don't know. So Hot and, chocolate. And, and, and there's, you know, the romantic tension, if you will, between Russell Crowe's wife and Hank Azaria's character who got drunk on a Zamboni, which was kind of funny. I didn't mind all that. I liked all that a lot. I cared about that more than I cared about uh, Burt Reynolds and his kid. Yeah. I didn't and care about that making, at all. Making fun of how his kid or his like or his daughter and the the young guy who Weeks. had an interesting experience in a snowplow yeah, yeah, yeah. with his girlfriend. But that I didn't mind either. It was just it was funny. Yeah, it was all uh, that. Yeah, I liked I liked the small town stuff of it all because like in a, like there's movies set in New York where people keep running into each other on the streets of New York, which is impossible. So, yeah, but at least in the small towns, like oh, you'll bump into everybody. Everybody knows everybody's business. It's it just makes the stories more plausible that. Everyone would have whatever information they have. And the, there's always a big speech. And for this one, it was Russell Crowe between the second and third periods. That was a good one. It was good. Holt! I'm just warming up, Sheriff. Connor! 
I'm ready, John. Bertie, you with us? Yep. Good. Because the Rangers are starting to breathe through their mouths. The strides are getting shorter. Do not give these guys too much respect. They didn't pull a dog sled, did they? No, no. Didn't skate the river, did they? No, no. no. Forget about that circus out there. That's still black ice. This is our pond. I also got to wondering before we wrap this up, why aren't there more NHLers from Alaska? So I looked it up. There are only 13 players born in Alaska that have ever played a game in the NHL. Really? And only one of them is a goalie. Like eight of them have points. Scott Gomez is number one with 756 points in over 1,000 games. But then Brandon Dubitsky, Matt Carl, Nate Thompson, and that's basically the list. Huh. Maybe they just don't have enough people to keep a lot of little leagues going around. Right, and that's why you think, oh, but why, you know, the territories are so cold. And, you know, yeah. Dylan Cousins this past year was the first player ever from the UConn drafted in the first round of the NHL. So it's just because the opportunities aren't necessarily there. And it's harder to get people to go up and look at them, I guess, or whatever, if, if they want to get it. Harder to, ha- yeah. The, and there's the not a ton. So. The population isn't huge. So, right. uh, Also, I want to point out that the guy that did the music for this, his name is Carter Burwell, and he does a lot of Coen Brothers movies, including Fargo. So this guy's basically cornered the market on what winter sounds like musically. And he's always a good scorer. And there's, the music in this did sort of sound like Fargo at times. Okay. I liked it. So? Um, I will give this seven and a half Zambonis out of ten. I was going to give it seven and a half slap shots into rusty old cans out of ten. <laughs> Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mel, Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?